The continuing committee is currently looking for first edition, second edition, and triples playtesters to join our playtesting teams. If you're interested in applying, you just need to be part of a playgroup that can get together two to three times a month and have someone with regular forum access that can post your results. If you're interested in applying, check out our volunteer page at trekcc.org slash volunteer. Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. And it's just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Could you please introduce yourself and let everybody know your forum name? Alright, my name is Jay Austill. Uh, and my forum name is The Mad Vulcan. You may have seen me a couple times on there. Although, uh, usually when I've published to the front page, I've gone under James Green. Nice. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jay. And congratulations on your position as our new writing team manager. Um, well, thank you, Charlie. I, I have to say I'm pretty stoked with it. Uh, it's uh, it's it's been quite a learning experience so far, but I'm I'm eager to see uh, how things progress. Yes, as as am I, and it's it's nice to have somebody dedicated to that position position again because um, a little bit of history. Uh, our former writing team manager was Darren Lacoste, uh, and he went to go to grad school and didn't really have time to cover things anymore. So Dave Runyon, who is our current 1E creative manager, Super Dave, he was covering, but, you know, he didn't really have, he was just sort of covering, not actively, you know, managing. And I feel like over the past year, uh, I think a lot of us felt that the content, the content that we had was really good, but we could and should have more. And hopefully now that we have a, a writing team manager, a dedicated person in that position, uh, that will happen. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But first, I'd like you to sort of introduce yourself to the community and let us know who you are and your history with Star Trek, the card game, and and, and uh, writing um, for for us. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Darren Lacoste was uh, the, the head writer when I was, I guess... Uh, hired on or given the opportunity to write for the site. So I, I worked with him for a while, and I definitely worked with Dave Runyon, and they were both pretty good editors for me. Although I definitely also noticed that dip in the amount of content we were publishing because obviously Dave had other things to do as well. So that, that definitely hurt things for a while there, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing a, an increase uh, for me, with the game, I started out way, way back in 1995 playing uh, when it was introduced at the time. I actually went to a, a Christian school 
And uh, Magic the Gathering was all the rage, but uh, most of the kids there, their parents wouldn't let them play it. So, uh, so we decided to play Star Trek as an alternative. And I was a pretty big Trekkie at the time, so they were like, "Oh, we can get Jay into this for sure." And uh, and but I never really played in tournaments. So people, there's, I mean, there was the local tournament scene that was existing during that time, and I, I never went to it. I just, you know, played with friends or around the house. So uh, it wasn't really until the continuing committee era that I really started showing up to tournaments. I think before that I was, you know, an occasional guy that would show up. That was about it. Was there something about the continuing committee era that made it more attractive to you, or was it just convenient timing? <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, in a lot of ways, well, I mean, I definitely would say with timing it really played a lot of part in it. For me, um, you know, I collected the game pretty hard when I was in middle school and high school, you know, mowing lawns or whatever I could get for money to, to play it. And then when uh, I went to college, I didn't have any sort of free money for that, so I was gone for a while. So right when I finished college, just happened to coincide with the continuing committee. So I think I, I came out of college, and it's kind of ironic that at this point I've got more money than I ever had before to spend on cards, and yet it costs far less to play. So yeah, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I think there's 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 always a lot of factors, but I also think that uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I blame second edition for getting me into it because I, you know, got roped in by those second edition players. They're such cool guys around here to uh, to just sit down and play and have fun. And, and it, it's definitely, you know, having having cool players to, to play against, you know, makes it worthwhile spending all that time building a deck or, or whatever. Now, do, do you have a personal preference for playing 1E versus 2E, or you like them both? Yeah, I was definitely uh, I was definitely one of the really vocal pro 1E guys on the old decipher boards, uh, trying to you know I was definitely one of the people that would try to get my jabs in a lot on the 2E guys, which is kind of it's kind of ironic in retrospect because I've I've grown to like that game as well, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I definitely. I definitely was uh, a purist, I guess, for the longest time. Well, there's, you know, a lot of people were, you know, that 2E didn't get a lot of, a lot of chances from people. A lot of people walked away the minute they announced it. A lot of people tried it and, and walked away from it after the base set, which I always thought was ironic because if you played 1E right after the base set, it really wasn't any more diverse of a game than 2E was right out of the base set, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, 2E has certainly grown and developed as a game, and, and the two games are catered to different people and different parts of people's desires to play, so, it, th there's something in, in there for everybody. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I, I actually did stick around at least into the base set of 2E, but I, I remember thinking, you know, like buying the cards and thinking, you know, a lot of cards, I always I always call them forwards-compatible cards to, I guess, get on the second edition guys, but uh, a lot of the cards are the first edition cards just translated into the new game, into the cleaner play style, and I always felt weird buying those same cards that I already had. Like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, look at 2E's um, Telic or more. Right. 
I mean, he's the same guy. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm chasing after the guy I already have, whereas, you know, when you play Magic the Gathering, I could have brought my older Telecra more and just used him in the new game, or the new, ver- you know, the new version that was playing at the time. But yeah. With 2E, I needed to chase down the guy I already had, or at least I felt like I already had. But, uh, I mean, obviously that's not a problem now, I just go and print it. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's definitely making the game more accessible to people. And I definitely think that I think Tui more than anything uh, coming into it. Uh, I mean, I started playing Tui as I mentioned. I started playing it actually during the continuing committee era. So I was playing primarily with virtual cards, and I definitely think Tui is very playable. Like you don't, you do not need physical cards to be competitive in Tui. You can build a really great deck with just virtual cards and show up to a tournament and, and play. Yeah, and I think that it's almost that way with 1E now. Oh, you know, no, yeah. The, the TNG block has sort of made it so that you can you can play an almost all virtual deck and show up and, and have a lot of fun and do pretty well. So Now, what part what part of the world are you in and, and what kind of how regularly do you get to play? Well, I, I'm in Seattle, Washington, which is in the United States. Uh, it's not one of the biggest cities, so not everyone will have heard of it, but uh, we're on the map. Uh, and I, I think I get to play, I generally get to play pretty well, pretty often. Uh, I think lately I've been playing as many as three times a week uh, in online tournaments. I mean, sometimes they're going on multiple times. Uh, we don't have a local uh one play group around here, uh, but the Canadians, Ken Tufts and company, like to cruise down and give us some numbers once in a while. So that's that's always nice. Nice. That's 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 great. That that uh, you know, it's all it's always nice when you get to play. I mean, playing online is is wonderful, and I'm glad that we have that available. But I, playing in a you know card store or a restaurant with with actual people and actual cards in your hand is always has that mystique to me. You know, it's, it's pretty wonderful. Oh, I, I completely agree. Although I have a problem, you know, since I'm mostly playing online, that I'll pull a deck off the shelf and realize that it was the version from three times ago because I haven't updated it from the virtual one <laughs> or the one that's on the computer. And I'm like, oh, crap, why is this card still in here? Yep. Now, obviously, you, you have been tapped to be the writing manager, and that, that position... Uh, it, it, it's, you're basically in charge of um, the staff who is in charge of posting content on our website. Um, have you? Do you have a history as a as a as a writer, as someone who who likes to produce content, or is it more of a hobby for you? Well, I definitely say it's a hobby for me. Uh, my my job is just as a uh, I, I work as a, a geneticist in a research lab, so. Uh, I guess I I do. Actually, I look for opportunities to write at work, which is kind of ironic. I've always just enjoyed writing. So even even though uh, I certainly do it for my job, it's pretty different from what you get uh, as content to a website. And I haven't uh, haven't written for any other websites other than this one. So uh, it's definitely a a learning experience for me. Uh, But as a writer, I definitely think I had... uh, 
I had sort of excelled at that at school and more saw it as a uh, as not necessarily a good way of of making a living compared to uh, the sciences. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It, it's it's if you hit it big, you can make a lot of money, but not that many people hit it big. So. Yeah, I kind of cheated in school and uh, uh, brought up my GPA by taking a lot of English courses. <laughs> oh man. Well, that works, you know, whatever. Uh, the number doesn't matter after you get your first job anyway. That's, That's right. what I've found. So let, let's talk about the writing manager. Um, as you said, you, you had been a writer under Darren and then David. Um, what made you want to be, to take over and move into a, a, arguably a more administrative role and a less uh, creative one? Well, I, I guess this might seem odd to a lot of people, but I, I found in, in school, especially at the University of Washington, that I, I took some weird enjoyment from being an editor, mm-hmm. uh, from helping people really refine their work. And I, I like once I had sort of gotten pretty good at it, at it you know, on my own papers, I, I really, I guess, went out of my way to, to edit other people's papers. And I, I kind of felt like... Uh, and I had done that a little bit as well for the website even before getting this position because some of the newer writers would say, hey, you know, I, I really want to publish this, but, oh, I don't feel that good about it. I don't want to, you know, I, I want you to read over it and give me your opinion on it. So so I was doing a little bit of editing as well even for the site before that. So I think that uh, I guess in a lot of ways the opportunity to, to read articles – is is more of a driving factor than anything else. Okay, so obviously we, we didn't have a lot of, of front page content last year. Just sort of, you know, staff, uh, you know, CC written articles. W- what type of content are you looking to add to our front page in 2013 and beyond? Yeah, I uh, I, I definitely think that that was is one of the one of the places where I see a sort of failing on the website because you see all this great volunteer work going into especially the art, especially the design, you know, especially the web page, and we don't have that many articles. When we do, they're they're great, uh, but we could definitely have more. And I I really want to be able to go to the website and, and regularly read new content or or even expect that there's going to be new content. Uh, when you get to the website, and and I think the the real big articles I'd really like to see are you know discussion of gameplay and strategies as well as deck building, uh, articles for both advanced and new players and the intermediate players, and just different different types of articles that really get people thinking about deck playing and what sort of strategies they should use. Uh, I yeah. know that one of the uh, one of the really interesting first edition series that it started up and it's it's been slow coming but really excellent is the the dominion article series that's being written by uh uh andreas rheinlander yeah ducat on the message boards yes i i love that series because i mean as long as i've been playing first edition i've never been any good at dominion and uh, i'm also looking forward to a a borg series that i have a new writer uh, that plans to follow in those footsteps and try to do it for the Borg, which is another affiliation that I know relatively little about. Excellent. I, I, I'm 
I've always the, the the big article that I've missed the last really couple years was the you know deck list with strategy article that you know it used to be done for new expansions. You'd be like, I'm going to build this deck around this new card, and then here's how you play it, and here's the deck list. We haven't seen that in a while, and I I miss those. Oh, me too. Uh, I definitely love that. I mean, it's great to see why people put what they do in their decks because I mean everybody has their own method, but. Sometimes you just don't even consider a card, and someone else will build a whole deck around it. Uh, and I've definitely one of my one of my goals is not only to to see more deck building articles for first and second edition, but I wouldn't mind seeing some for tribbles. I don't have a clue how to build a tribbles deck. Yeah, I I definitely think that there's lots of opportunities for content for all three games. No question, no question. Especially as we head into you know, regional season. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that James Hoskin will do his Road to World series again. Although I know it is a ton of work, um, and that's that's always great. But I would, I would love to see more writers going into more detail on some of those events. You know, getting getting event reports from uh, different perspectives and. and looking at decks and analyzing them and talking about them, and I just think that there's a lot of potential that uh, now that we have somebody sort of in charge of that team, we can realize. Oh, absolutely, and I'd, I'd love to solicit, you know, your listeners out there. I mean, if somebody... There's no there's no obligation to being a writer uh, for this site. I mean, if somebody feels that they built a deck that's exceptionally good and they understand it and they want to write a deck article just one-off, just put that one deck out there, then they can do that. Or, they, you know, somebody can can write up their, their report of their trip to, to Worlds or Continentals and send it send it over to me, and I'll help them work through any uh, any any editing that they want to do because I, I'd love to see more content, and I think that, that most of the people on the website have something that they could bring. Well, speaking of, if, if one of the listeners out there is interested in either uh, writing a single article or, or maybe writing some more, how, how can they get a hold of you? Well, I guess uh, you know, there's there's always sending PMs on the boards. Uh, I mean, if but if you wanna uh, send a, a file or an example that you scribbled out, then uh, then you can always send me an email, which is uh, listed, I believe, on the website. Well, what is it? Just so we can have it up front here. So. Oh, sure. It's uh, shattered vinyl at yahoo.com. And your forum name again was. The Mad Vulcan. All right, so um, I have a couple questions. Uh, I told the chat room earlier that I was interviewing you, and I said, any questions? And they have a couple for you. So uh, the first question here is, how are you planning on getting more content to the front page? Well, I guess uh, the first thing I was planning to do is send out that, uh, that casting call on your web page here. But I also, uh, I really need to get behind... Uh, uh, the writers that we already have that already have the skill and have shown their ability and push them to put out content. And I, I definitely think, uh, the third thing is that, uh, getting discussion among the writers about what kind of content they want to see can, can bring out ideas because I think the hardest thing with writing is just getting an idea. Once you've got an idea, it just flows right out. Outstanding. Um, let's see. Uh, Sir Dan wants to know, 
how early you get to preview new sets, which is really funny because I just sent you the newest set tonight. <laughs> and well, I don't know when this episode is going to go up, to be honest, because I've recorded several of them. So by the time this goes live, it might have been three weeks since you saw it. So <laughs> uh, I, I guess there is no. I mean, really, it, it gets sent to you by the designer or the brand manager when it's ready. <laughs> well, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a, a point in the process where I get it, and that's when it's it's getting pretty close to being done. It's been through the play testing, you know, it's it's starting to get all nailed down. It's getting close. Uh but it's still, I mean, depending on when it can release, I I'd say I've seen them, you know, a month, a month and a half before. So so well that that that's actually let's let's talk about that for a little bit. You know, um what what type of Things are you gonna, you know, this is your. You've been a writer before, when new sets have come out, right? Now, now you're sort of in charge of making sure that content for this new set is being written. What what type of things are you gonna, you know, repeat from the past, or or are you gonna look to try to innovate anything new in terms of new card showing off content? Well, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, there's always there's always uh, opportunity for change. Uh, I think that one thing, perhaps if we could get consistent uh, deck articles or series going, um, that that might make it a little bit easier for writers when it comes time for a new set to come out. I mean, when you're trying to come up with what you write, if there's just sort of a, a, a series of articles you've already done and you're just doing that again, uh, that can make it a lot easier to decide what you're going to do. Um I think that one of the problems I've had in the past is I, I had tried to do deck articles with the release before, and the biggest problem is, like, I'm not a playtester. I haven't really seen the cards before, so it's kind of hard to get the deck nailed down in the time frame. And you can't you can't playtest against anyone either because, you know, you don't, you don't know anyone that you can tell the cards to, right? Yeah, that's so, true. So it's a, little, it's a little difficult to get the deck building articles, you know, on on the release day or as the schedules come up uh, as compared to the, the actual card discussion. All right. Let's see. I'm looking for other questions here. What sort of articles do you enjoy reading? Well, I, I think uh, so far probably my favorite article is the deck building article, but I think that that's mainly because uh, there's so much that can be discussed in that, but I definitely anything where someone is talking about the uses or weaknesses of a card, you know, just throwing out their ideas or, or they're talking about meta and what what sort of decks work better for playing, you know, in that meta or, or, or what just what goes through their minds when they're building a deck or what, what they're planning to bring to a major event. I just love reading about that because... It, it's always something that I haven't thought of because, or there, or there is always something there that I haven't thought of because nobody thinks the same. That, that's very true. Uh, everybody has a different point of view, and every meta is different and looks at cards differently. And and the more that we talk about things, the better all the players will be who get to read that content. So. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the high-level players that are, are, are 
will have no problem discussing their strategies because that that sort of continues, I guess, the development of the game and the change and the flow and, and the shifting and the competitiveness. Like everything, like if there was one deck that was really awesome back in the day and it just stays great, that's it gets kind of boring. But uh, you know, win with something at a major event and then discuss it about what what met what. Uh, design decisions in your decks could fight against it or block it out and then, you know, develop a new idea. And, I, and I'd really like to see the, the, I'd really like to see the content of the front page spur the discussion on the boards. There is a lot of great discussion on the boards, but I think that, you know, the front page could be a place where we get the discussion going. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I have another que- another question here for you. Is I just lost it. Um, how many articles? I, I know that you're still getting your feet under your position, and we've just gone through the holidays and things, and and you're still looking for writers. But once you're up and running, what 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 type of schedule would you like to see for articles on the front page? Yeah, I definitely uh, actually that came up in the uh, the application, and in my opinion, is that I'd like to see an article for each game every week. And ideally speaking, there'd be a day that people come to the website expecting there to be an article for the game they love or, or whatever. Uh, and so, so, Something like 2E Tuesdays or yeah. First Edition Friday or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I was, you know, I was thinking about what days still were the best. I know that uh, rules tend to release their information on Mondays and uh, and the sets tend to release on Fridays so you know probably the midweek will be the the Tuesday Wednesday Thursdays would be the the days that we choose to design for each game and I'd really like to see getting back to the deck building articles which are a lot more work I'd like to at least see a deck building article for each game once a month absolutely that would be phenomenal to get to get an article every week and a Big major deck article once a month. That'd be that'd be pretty neat. Let's see. Uh, what do you find to be the most challenging while you're producing an article? Is it, is it brainstorming, researching, formatting it? Is there anything that you find more challenging than anything else? Yeah, I, I think the most challenging thing for me, or I guess in a lot of ways the most time-consuming or the most boring in a lot of ways is is the the formatting because i mean especially when i write a a deck building article which i've done in the past i like to put the links for all the cards because i don't want my reader to i don't expect my readers to know exactly what the cards are i'm talking about from their titles so you know putting every link in there like on a very long article can take a long time yeah it it, it can be it's it's easier on the forums too than it is on the on the front page because you know you can It'll look it up for you on the front page if you put the card tag around it. It, it won't do that on the the article system. So. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely some shortcuts to it, but uh, and then you definitely, uh, I tend to, you know, I go through the article and I put the little the HTML code next to all the places where I want to put a link and then highlight it in the color so they don't miss one because once in a while, you know, I copy the wrong thing and the link goes to a totally different card, and that that's always embarrassing for me. Yeah. All right. Um, I have a tradition on this show where I ask my guests to review a card. Oh, right. 
great. And I used to open packs, but since Chris Loban uh, decided to put out Loban, I don't remember, I never get it right, Malewis, who's awesome, uh, made a little random card function, I'm just going to use that. And uh, since you're mostly a first edition player, I've selected a first edition card for you. Uh, this is one of my favorite cards ever, and it is from The Next Generation, and it's called Get It Done. Oh, you know, that's an interesting thing for you to pick, because I uh, I completely blew this card off when the set released. Uh, I saw that card, and I was like, well, you know, it's going to cost me a card play, and what's it really going to do? And what happened was uh, I actually went, I was playing an online tournament, and I procrastinated on building a deck or whatever, and it was for block, and I, I just went and looked what uh, Andreas Limmer had done for his deck and copied his deck and then made a couple minor choices. And as a result, this card was in there, you know, because I hadn't pulled it out. And then I, I had it there, and all of a sudden I realized how useful it was to have two extra range on a turn that I needed two extra range. Or, you know, in the case, you can you can boost a personnel's attributes plus two. Well, one of the most popular dilemma combos right now is to set up uh, let's see uh, subspace shockwave which requires a navigator with cunning greater than seven I believe yeah. uh, well there's not that many people that qualify that for, for that in block and if, if you put the clown bitter medicine in front of it and name navigation then everybody's down by two well if I get it done my guy before I attempted that mission then he's plus two and I can counter that and possibly get through a great combo. So I I really think that, uh, and I almost always pay the cost with this one uh, to keep it on the board, even if I don't have any plans for it later. Like I, at the point where I, I fell in love with this card, I, I just want, unless I just don't have the cost to pay for it, to keep it on the board, I always want to keep it on the board because you never know when that extra plus two range is going to save you. Yeah, and and I I can't you know the, the the plus two to the attributes is good you know subspace shockwave God is another one that you can you can get past now um, the the range boost is probably the one I use the most often but you can't underestimate the the get guys back function you know you can get the bottom three people out of your discard pile back so if you're you know, if you're playing the legitimate leader deck or the illegitimate leader deck and, and Gowron or Duras get shot in the face early, you know, you can put them back in your deck and re-download them. It, it's it's pretty huge. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and there's nothing there's nothing to be said about uh, avoiding a double deck out oh, when, I, you have, I, I, when you have one more chance at that mission the next turn. Especially if you're playing, you know, a sealed game where the decks are pretty small. You can just make a random guy plus two just for the sake of putting two cards back in your deck. So yeah, it's it's a pretty versatile card. I I, I have to say, originally I was thinking, oh, is that worth a card play? I'm mean, it's going to be a dead draw on my deck, and well, especially since uh, Ready Room Door is in block now. Yeah, you can just go go get it. Or, or there's a number of people that can download Captain's Order, so you don't even have to necessarily burn a card play on it anymore. Oh, absolutely. Hey, is the is the new Q's tent uh, is that in block? That is not in block. So that is why it, that is why it's a promo. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, we talked about it on episode one seventy of section thirty one, but ba basically, 
Uh, design likes the idea of there being a format that doesn't have a Q's tent in it. That makes sense to me, but I'm, I was I was very very glad to see it pick up the Voyager only icon because we've played some Voyager only and man, do it, like I've I've avoided putting ref cards in my Voyager only deck because Q the referee isn't there, so you can't cycle them. Yep. And and in this card, you know, the fact that I mean it's a great designed card. Obviously, you probably discussed it already, but the fact that it has the Voyager only icon. Yeah, it's a Q's tent for Voyager format, you know? Oh, Even if you don't care about the referee cards, it's it's a place to put your... And the Voyager guys have so many downloads, yeah. you know? It, it's it's going to be huge in, in Voyager Sealed or Voyager Warp Speed or anything like that. And that even hasn't really been talked about. That's a, that's a good point. Excellent point. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up my questions for you, so... Uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity to ask me any questions you might have. Obviously, you don't have to, no pressure, but if there's anything on your mind that you want to ask me, now's your shot. Well, uh, I guess since we were discussing uh, deck-playing articles, my question would be, what deck-play article would would you most be excited to see suddenly appear on the front page? Oh, wow, that's that's... That's a good question. Um, I, I I like unusual decks. Um, uh, we've talked before in the past on various podcasts that, that there's these three psychographic profiles that Magic made a long time ago. There's uh, Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. And Timmy is the guy, you know, who likes big, cool, fun things. And Johnny is the guy who likes complicated things. And Spike is the guy who likes to win. And and that's a gross oversimplification of them. But I, I definitely am a 90% Johnny. You know, I really like the the complicated decks. And, and uh, you know, I've, I play Infiltration. It's kind of one of my signature decks, quote-unquote. And it's, it's, so it's a moving pieces deck that it's, you know, craziness. And, and another deck that I've played... Uh, tries to get every enterprise out, which is which is a, that's just kind of a Tommy thing, you know. It's like I got every enterprise out. Um, I I can certainly sit down and play a competitive deck. You know, I, there was a there was a tournament last summer where I, I built just a really fast Klingon solver deck. Uh, I was like, I am tired of losing, <laughs> so I took this deck to a tournament and I won. Nice. You know, so it's like I can play competitive decks, but I would much rather play something intricate or fun. So that would be the type of deck article that I would want to see. Somebody who's like, I'm going to build a deck with everybody who whose number of letters in their name is a prime number. You know, it's just something weird like that. And I would just be like, that's cool. And those would be the type of deck articles that would just appeal to me. Excellent. Well, Jay, thank you for uh, taking some of your busy life out to talk to us. Um, once again, if people are interested in writing, they can email you at what address? Shatteredvinyl at yahoo.com. And PM you with, at, on the boards at what name? The Mad Vulcan. All right, Jay, thanks for uh, being on, and uh, have a great week, and look forward to reading articles on the front page again. Thanks, Charlie. Talk to you later, man. 
are you enthusiastic about playing and promoting the Star Trek CCG? Then join the Continuing Committee's Ambassador Program. Let me talk to them. I'm sure I'm more articulate than that. Send an email to flraiser at me.com or send a PM to flraiser on the message boards. The wife's on a Troy, a daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Reeks, heir of the holy rings of Medazad. We're always looking for new people to join the group. We're especially looking for new ambassadors in the South Central United States. Full ambassadorial status. Looks like it's back in that dress uniform. So send a message off to us today. Live long and prosper.